It's the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Sean Del Grand. And we've got over 800 brand new Mazdas with outstanding incentives, like low monthly lease payments and low APR financing. Yep, it's just a great time to buy. So don't miss the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Financing on approval of credit. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. All right, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome, welcome as we get ready for tonight's game against Anaheim at the Tank. Let's give you a couple uh, updates on what's going on with the San Jose Sharks. Logan Couture is considered day-to-day after that upper body shot he took in Thursday night's game. The x-rays were negative. He might practice on Monday, and the thought that he was, is that he will probably play Wednesday in Arizona. So that is good news, but obviously the Sharks are going to have their work uh, cut out for them tonight in, in, with Anaheim. James Reimer is going to be starting. That's what uh, we was the takeaway from morning skate. Also, Kevin LeBanc was out there, but he's probably not going to play uh, tonight. He hasn't had a practice with contact as of yet. Um, also, another update on Aiden Hill. Apparently, he saw a specialist in L.A. earlier this month who told him to stay off the ice for two weeks, and we're about 10 days removed from that meeting, so that means that Hill could get back out on the ice uh, next week. And it looks like uh, Jonathan Dolan is still a little bit of a ways away for tonight's game, so that's something that... Uh, we're going to have to pay attention to as well. And uh, credit to uh, Curtis Pashelka with all those uh, tweets regarding status and such. But, you know, it's going to be an interesting game for the Sharks, uh, especially going up against a team like Anaheim, who did sell at the deadline. And now they're almost exactly, you know, the same record as the Sharks as we look at the standings going into tonight's matchup between the Sharks and the Ducks. The Sharks have played 64 games, 28, 28 and 8. The Ducks have played 66 games, 27, 28, and 11. So they've earned more points, but they have a worse winning percentage, obviously. So, you know, you look at that and you try to derive from it what you can. But, you know, these are two teams that are fighting for pride at this point. Neither of them clearly out of the playoff race, but neither clearly in it as well. It would take a miracle for either team, of which, you know, I understand the desire for there to be a miracle. Uh, but, you know, that's you got to be realistic. And I think that right now, both teams are going to be evaluating and looking towards the future when they square off tonight. To talk about everything we've seen at the deadline, taking a look at tonight's game, we are now joined by Corey Massasak of The Athletic. Corey, what's going on, man? How are you doing? I'm doing great. Team took the day off yesterday, and I took a little time to go up into the mountains in Alberta, and I'm, I'm feeling refreshed. Well, there so. we go, man. Get some fresh air in those lungs, and I'm sure it'll uh, help you pour out uh, more quality <laughs> material on the uh, on the keyboard um, what, what did you think of those two games north of the border before I ask you about trade deadline stuff? I mean, I thought that you know, t- Tuesday was a great come from behind win and, you know, they jumped out to a nice lead Thursday, but they obviously had some trouble, uh, with the penalty kill, which is, you know, probably, uh, not ex- unexpected after some of the moves made at the deadline, but, you know, looking at those two games, what, what did you think? Yeah. You know what? Like it was, I thought they, they were relatively slow out of the gate in both games, although they did get the goal, the first goal and, and, and Edmonton, um, you know, I, yeah, I really like I, to me, like you look at the game against Calgary and like, you know, that's, I think that's one of the best teams in the league, one mm-hmm. of the deepest teams in the league. And um, like, it's, it's kind of like a, a contrast in, in styles almost like 
Calgary is going to beat you with, you know, three or four lines of depth, whereas Edmonton has those big, you know, the kind of the big hammers. Yeah. And, uh, and so like, I thought they played really well against Calgary. You know, I mean, even there was, you know, it was like, like it was at the same time, it was three to one and, and, you know, a guy who's like going to finish in the top 10 in the MVP voting had a penalty shot that probably could have put the game away, but you know, James Reimer made the, the save that they needed. And then, you know, really from maybe from that point on, um, you know, the game felt way more, you know, 50, 50 slash, you know, San Jose, even like, you know, sort of took control for stretches and, you know, yeah, I mean, look, they're, you know, they're, they've, you said the, then the, obviously I think the biggest concern coming out of that, you know, for the rest of the CEO, for the rest of the season are, you know, well, Logan Couture got hurt against Edmonton mm-hmm. and then also the penalty kill. Um, just, uh, um, you know, they've, they've traded away a couple of guys on the penalty kill and they've got two or three of the guys that are still on the roster that would be their best guys on the penalty kill who are hurt. And so it's <laughs> just, um, you know, they just basically had guys going and doing things that, uh, you know, like, like, um, like Bob Bugner said, like we just we have guys in, the, in that are in roles and in spots that, that they haven't done a whole lot of that at the NHL level, so it's a bit of a adjustment. So yeah, yeah, it, it takes some time, obviously, and you know that to not to you know give too much credit to the Sharks, but that Edmonton power play has uh, they've got the ability to do that to just about anybody. So you know I don't, I don't know if that makes them feel any better, but uh, like you said, they've got they've got some big hammers out there. Um, yeah. You know, I, what, what were your reactions to the trade deadline moves? The big one, obviously, Kakinen. In, in retrospect, should a, a move like that have been made sooner, or do you think they just didn't know there was going to be this much um, time missed for Aiden Hill, and they, you know, they didn't know that James Reimer would still be dealing with a, a bit of a whatever's bothering him? I mean, we saw him Sunday night after the game. He was clearly walking gingerly, even after a nice win. Yeah. No, I. It, it's it was interesting. I mean, I you know whenever sort of the, the rumors about um, Jacob Middleton, you know, like rumors like reports that, uh, you know, that they were, some teams had called about Jake Middleton popped up, you know, you immediately start thinking like, okay, well, they're, they're probably going to be looking at, you know, maybe they can get a second or a third round pick. Maybe they can get like a prospect or mm-hmm. just usually in, in that, in that situation, a team in that, in that spot in the standings, isn't necessarily looking for a guy who's going to come in and play right away. And then, you know, whenever the actual trade goes down and you're like, Oh, huh, that's interesting. they, you know, they, you know, instead of getting a second round pick, who's not going to play for them for three or four years, they, they, you know, turned this guy, you know, who, you know, it, um, I just, I, I just thought the whole, the whole Middleton sort of the fast evolution of him as a player and then immediately turning him into something else was, was just, was pretty fascinating just because on one hand, you know, the, if they, if they want to win as much as they can next year, you'd, you'd love to have a guy like Jake Middleton, but at the same time, um, you know, they just didn't, they felt better about their defense depth than they did the goaltending. And so this, you know, Minnesota is, you know, is an interesting spot where they, they, they've got Cam Talbot. They traded for Marc-Andre Fleury. They have one of the five best goalie prospects in the world behind them and Jesper Wallstedt. And so they, you know, Capo Kakinen becomes a guy that they can use to get something else. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, it, it was an interesting thing. I really hadn't, you know, again, like going into the trade deadline, I didn't go into it thinking like, oh, well, you know, if they, they might trade for another goaltender because I honestly just thought that they were probably going to ride out, you know, ride out this season with, with the two guys that they have and then figure out like, does, you know, is Aiden Hill going to need something done in the off season that's going to hurt him for next year. And then do they have to go get a goalie? So um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I think, <clears throat> I think you're going to see a fair amount of Kacken in, in these last 18 games or so. And then, then the big question over the off season becomes, now they're kind of in a similar spot. Like they have three goalies under contract, all on good contracts, all guys who have shown they can play at the NHL level. 
you know, would probably have different values. Like I think they, if they trade Reimer, they probably get more. If they trade Hill, they probably get less. And I think Kakinen's probably in the middle somewhere. So yeah. will they, will they try to t- turn around and move one of those guys to fill a hole kind of in the same way that Minnesota did? Like to me, the obvious thing would be, you know, I think we're probably going to spend a lot of time between the end of the season and the start of trade slash free agent season talking about who are some of the goal scorers they can try to track down and, and, you know, add to the roster. So <laughs> I would imagine that, you know, something along the lines of, you know, one of those goalies for someone else's middle six, four is going to be a popular topic over the next couple of months. Yeah, most definitely. And I mean, I kind of, from my point of view and, you know, obviously that's worth whatever, uh, you know, you want to make of it, but it's like Reimer's the, the, the sure thing that they needed. Obviously Hill and Kakinen have a lot less, experience at the NHL level, whereas Reimer may not be a, a huge, huge name, but you know, people around the NHL are not that surprised that he's having this good of a year. Um, especially if he's, you know, for the most part been on a, a defensively sound team. It's like the Sharks have figured out that goalie situation that was eluding them the past couple of years. The defense is much improved. I mean, is it as simple as saying, okay, then you need to go get that, you know, somebody from another team's top six, a middle six type um, you know, not, not, a, you know, not somebody's best offensive weapon, but I mean, is it that simple to just add to the offensive depth and make this team that much better? Or there, is that just too simple? Cause you can never, in my opinion, just say, Oh, this team this year will translate to next year. Unless you're talking about a top quality year in year out contending team. Cause it seems to me that this Sharks team team is still in the course of its evolution. Right. And yeah. And I, and I, and I think that is like a pretty good point because we can we can point out all of the things that have been a strength for San Jose this year. Like we can say, look, the, the penalty killing is great. The defense depth is way better. You know, their their top three forwards have all been very good, and any of that can change for next year. I mean, they they, they could they're not going to bring back the same players on the penalty kill, but let's say they you know they they get everything together in the last ten or fifteen games, it's still really good. They can bring back the same guys. You know, they could bring back the same coach running it, and it could just not be as good next year. They just yeah. that's a, one of those weird things that just sort of fluctuates from year to year. I mean, I think. In general, um, you know, the, yeah, they're they're basically going to be looking at this offseason thinking, um, you know, we've got three three NHL goalies that have all you know have various pro- track records at the NHL level, but I, I I think they still believe that, um, you know, and and look, goaltending is another thing that's like complete. Like, it, it would not shock me at all, and I'm not one single bit if Aiden Hill ends up being the best goalie of the three next year. That's yeah, just, it's the way that like, I mean, he has shown that he can be a good NHL goalie in very small bursts. And it would not shock me at all if he has like a 30 or 40 game run as the team's number one goalie next year. Even, <laughs> you know, you, even if we pencil him in as the number three guy and like, maybe, you know, if they, if they really want to max out the goalie position, maybe he should be the one that they, that they, that they trade. I just, you know, it's, it's just a sort of a, you know, I mean, Reimer has one of, been one of the more consistent goalies in the league, but he, I mean, I have to go back and look, I don't know if he's had, two seasons like the one he's had now but like back to back necessarily so yeah. it might it might you might not be able to just bank on him being the number one guy for 40 the 45 games next year either so um i mean i just i think just in general they're you know they're gonna they're gonna go into next year or you know spend this offseason just looking for as much you know looking in every nook and cranny that they can find any anybody that can score some goals yeah. and just feel like you know, I mean, not to say that the you know that their defense is set for the next X amount of years, and that the goaltending is set either. It's just that that is the biggest hole. You know, like they've got they've got three really good forwards, and they've got some young guys who are still trying to figure out. And if you know, gosh, it was it's not easy. I mean, look, we can we could spend an hour talking about Evander Kane and why 
you know, it, it made sense for them to not let him play a game for them this year and why it was the right thing to, to, to move on from him. But it's, I mean, it's pretty easy. It's a, it's not a, it's not a squiggly line between Evander Kane scoring 15 goals in 25 games for the Oilers and what the, what the, uh, Sharks are missing this year. That's oh, a, that's yeah. a straight line. I mean, Bob, it's, it's, it's Bob a, you know, was, a, a, you know, Evander Kane and a healthy Kevin LeBanc and, and this, this offense looks a little bit different this year. So, you know, you're going to get LeBanc back next year. You just basically got to find either you got to find one guy who can play kind of like Kane, which is to, I mean, taking away everything negative about him to his credit. He's a really good NHL player and it's hard to find guys that play like him. Yeah. I mean, but, so you find somebody who can, you know, or two somebodies that can reasonably replace what he does. And then you're getting closer to being in business again. Well, Bob Bugner was very clear about it. I mean, he said, well, we don't have our you know top score from a year ago. I mean, that's going to impact, yeah. that's going to impact the team. And I mean, I give credit to Timo Meyer and Tomas Hurdle for doing everything that they have done this year. And, you know, Logan Couture as well, because, you know, he's such a well-rounded player, even if he's not the, the, the fire power type guy that we look at with Hurdle. Um, and Meyer, it's just, you know, that's how it goes in the NHL. I mean, the more weapons you have, the more opportunity that creates for all those weapons and the Sharks, they don't, you know, there's not a lot of depth with the scoring. So yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll be very fascinating to see what, what happens, um, you know, at the end of the season, free agency and, and all that, obviously. Um, what are your thoughts about this game tonight against Anaheim? Because Anaheim is a team that, um, you know, they, they made some moves. They're still looking at the future, despite the fact that they had a really good start. Um, reality in the way of injuries caught up with them. They saw the writing on the wall. They let some pieces go. Um, you know, credit to the Sharks. Their mindset after the trade deadline, even though they sold, um, was a pretty strong response. What do, where do you think the, the Ducks are right now going into this game? Yeah, it's actually, you know, to me, the, the most interesting thing about the game tonight is... Um, you know, you look at where they both teams are in the standings and, um, you know, people who are following, you know, people who are, let's say, invested in wanting the Sharks to get the best draft pick that they can get, um, <laughs> that this this is a game that they would maybe not feel terrible about if the home, the road team won, uh, is, a, is a, <laughs> I guess, a polite way to put it. Uh, yeah, no, they're right. Like, they've, you look at these, the two franchises, right? Like, they were both there was a point earlier in the year when all three California teams were kind of like, Hey, they're all in the playoff mix here after 20 or 30 games. And it's a kind of nice to see the California teams back again. And um, Anaheim was like ahead of San Jose for a pretty good chunk of the season in the standings. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, they've, they've kind of hit their, you know, they've kind of hit a rough patch here and it's we're all of a sudden here, here we are. Like they're basically, I mean, they have almost identical, almost identical records and points. And, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think that they just in general, you know, like they've probably got their, you know, a couple of their their you know their their youngest guys are are further ahead, right? Like you know, like Trevor Zegers is is you know clearly more established in the NHL than a guy like William Eklund is. Uh, so, um, and you know, and and a couple of you know, like their um, uh, Jamie Drysdale is another one that they're mm-hmm. they're you know they're they're banking on for the next you know many many years. So, um, yeah, you know, it's it's. You know, it's 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 going to be two teams that are playing more young guys and playing them in bigger roles than 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 they did earlier in the year. And you, you get these sorts of games over the last month or so of the season. And, you know, sometimes they just end up being like kind of wild, like, uh, you know, just whatever, you know, like first one to seven type of type of games. <clears throat> you know, it's funny. I'm watching. All, all sports uh, these days says uh, at 39 years old, I've established that I don't know what a catch is in the NFL. I certainly don't know what a strike is in baseball. And at this point, I do not know what earns you, um, you know, a penalty shot in the NHL. And I don't know what a cross check is. Um, do, do you ever laugh about the, uh, 
the inconsistencies in officiating. And I'm not one. I don't blame officials. My whole rule is be good enough to not have let the officials change the game. But I mean, do do you kind of get a laugh out of this when you say like, well, that's interesting that that earned a penalty when the other game it didn't for the Sharks or, you know, that looked like a a cross check to me, but it doesn't get called. Like it's just, it's, I mean, I know I, I don't, you know, the refs have the hardest job in the world, but it is, I just laugh at sportsman and the inconsistencies. I just, I, 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 I'm, I used to be a lot smarter when I was nine years old, I think. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I get a laugh out of it. I get, I get, I get pretty frustrated by it to be perfectly honest. Like I don't, you know, whether I'm you know covering a game or I'm watching a game is just like the, you know, just flick a game on or whatever. I just, and I mean, there are other parts of it too. Like I don't, I'm, I'm definitely a, a big op- opponent of, making getting calls right part of game strategy like i hate challenges in every sport i think the re- the, the replay system should just be just get it right i don't i don't yeah. care about i don't i don't need the coach to have to worry about well i don't know it's a 3-2 game versus a 3-0 game should i should i challenge this no just get the call right yeah <laughs> so but anyway <laughs> um that's it uh yeah no you're right there has been i think there has been a little bit of an uptick of that this year in the nhl where um you know we were just in edmonton and um, it's kind of become a running theme there that like, just, just call the penalties that Connor McDavid draws. Like <laughs> it's, it's a weird, it's a weird thing in, in our sport in hockey where like the best players in the world don't get like people, like people that complain about the NBA say that the best players get too much of a benefit of the doubt. I think it's, it's, it's the exact opposite in the NHL. Yeah. Like, you know, like Eric Carlson gets cross-checked like that. He should, that should be a penalty. I mean, it should be a penalty on anybody, but you should, the, the star players should, it's, they should at least get the same amount of treatment. It shouldn't be like, oh, well, just because Connor McDavid is faster than everybody, he should, it should be okay that, you know, two guys can cross-check him or slash him whenever he's trying to go to the net. Like, no, call the, call yeah, like, the, that's the point. You know, call <laughs> like, the bleeping penalties. He's too good. They have right? to break like, the yeah, rules. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, exactly. Right. I just think that that's, and I do like, you know, it seems like this pops up every every two or three years where and especially as we get closer to the playoffs and then once the playoffs start it's going to be you know like prison rules around the net and it's just not uh <laughs> yeah it would just be nice to see it's thing again it's it's just just like just make it consistent like yeah. that's that's it's not even necessary like you don't not asking everybody to get everything right and not asking them to challenge or to look at a replay for every call just just like be a little more consistent i mean obviously it's he said it's a hard job but I mean, these guys are the, the people that they have officiating NHL games have been doing it for a long time and have, you know, have like a track record of, you know, you don't, you don't just get to be an official just because you want to, you've got to <laughs> prove that you can be very good at it before you get to do NHL games. So just, you know, sort of enforce this. We always, one of the things that sort of comes up with officiating is you just want them to call the rule book. You just want them to enforce the standard that's already written down that, that, that they should do. Well, at the same time with the officials, just the NHL should just enforce the standard that, they're going to be the best of the best in the world at this. Yeah. No, well said. I cannot, I cannot argue with any of those points, but I do know you got to get going. So I'll let you go, Corey. Again, if you're not reading Corey's stuff at the athletic, you are missing out. Corey, thank you so much for your time, man. I'll see you soon. All right. Yep. Thanks for having me. That is Corey Massasak of the athletic. Again, a big thanks to him for joining us here on the sharks audio network. And like I said before, if you're not reading his stuff at the athletic, you are doing yourself a disservice. We've got a lot of good writers in San Jose. We're very, very spoiled. Very, very spoiled. You know, looking at the last two games, I agree with Corey. The Sharks were a bit slow out of the gates in both those games, even if they did uh, win the first game and score first in the second game against Edmonton. But I'd like a little bit more of a hotter start tonight. And I'd just like to see a little bit less of an apprehensive or tentative nature. I felt like the Sharks against that game in Edmonton was really the first seven minutes or so. It was just kind of 
I don't know. It was just kind of feeling each other out. And I, you know, I understand why that happens, but I would like a little bit more aggression and a little bit more decisiveness from the Sharks uh, out the gate in the game tonight, especially against a team like Anaheim, who is, they're not as good as Edmonton, let's be honest. Um, and I think for the Sharks, uh, you know, I, I would, I would rather see them win. Uh, you know, I'm not, I understand you want good draft picks, but I'm always going to be rooting for a win. But that wraps it up for this edition of The Build-Up. I'll see you tomorrow morning on Morning Tide. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey, signing off.